where the mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec, this is my brother Lou, and little did you know, audience, that our YouTube channel was inspired by a puppet show, just like how Puppet Crazy Gabe was extremely inspired by puppet shows in Gravity Falls. Well, I don't, let's not mislead. I don't know about a puppet show as much as a theater. Well, listen, I never, I never owned a puppet. But we did own a puppet theater. It was intended for puppet shows. It was like a, a little That's theater. That's not why we had it, though. Well, it's because Santa gave it to us and it said uh, our names on it. So Jester Brothers Cartoon Theater, the name of our YouTube channel, came from this little puppet show that we had as children. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to count it. And well, the I, only... I, I make the distinction because puppets are creepy, which we're going to be getting into today. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just about to say the only thing I love more than puppets and musicals is puppet musicals. Which, by the way, is why uh, Muppets Most Wanted is just phenomenal. Highly recommended. Not even the original. It's the sequel to the new Muppets movie that they did. Nah. Muppets Most Wanted. Everybody look it up if you haven't seen it. So good. So funny. So puppet-like and musical. Listener, I know you like the Muppets. I don't. Well, this is going to be interesting then, because there were some <laughs> terrific Muppets references, or at least one extremely terrific Muppet reference that I'm going to get into later. But uh, let's get into this one. This was a very fun episode. Puppets, while I made it the leading story, I actually do not think are the leading story. I think Bill Cipher is the leading story. No, as much as I was just joking, I think this is actually such a ridiculously phenomenal episode. In my first note, because, okay, the very first line of the episode is Dipper saying, all right. Like this, I, don't, I didn't write it exactly, but this is when it's getting real in, in a matter of speaking. Oh, sure. Um, That's exactly what he said verbatim. Yeah, yeah. We have the author's, you know, computer here and we're going to pretty much crack it open and figure out all its secrets. And my first note was, you know, really didn't think the title Sock Opera would have opened with a line like this. That is my exact thought. When I saw the title, I was like, I don't know if I remember what this episode is. I feel like we can't be too far from getting the author in the show. So I have to hope that maybe this is plot relevant after the last one, but I can't picture it. Uh, and sure enough, like two seconds in, we're suddenly in this cold open that's Dipper trying to get into the laptop, but it shows up as unauthorized access slash forbidden. And our crux of the episode, the way that we enter this, is that he needs to be able to find the password uh, to yeah. find out who wrote the journal. Yeah. So when we were getting such a insanely plot-based cold open, I was kind of sitting there thinking like, wait, how does this sock opera thing even come to be? And sure enough, the show just immediately answers my question. And after this insanely engaging little bit in the cold open... Mabel's like, I'm going to be totally focused on helping us get this password. And then sees this, like, hunky sock puppet. Tear? The word is puppet. You know, I'm, I'm just going to let Alec take this part. I, I don't think I can explain it right. <laughs> sure. Uh, so there is this. <laughs> see? You see what I mean? <laughs> it's not an easy thing to explain. You You don't want to be rude here. Uh, but 
there is this child about Mabel's age uh, who Which is... Which it doesn't look like it at first, I'd also it, like to point out. You're so right. It looks like, at the very least, a teenager, if not an adult. Until we find out that behind the puppet show, he is a lot shorter than he appeared in the very beginning. Which, which was a I, bit of a relief for me. Yeah, but I would also say, was that an unintentional mistake or an intentionally misleading because he, like, I don't know, man. It looked like he was introduced as, like, a teacher, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, but what's interesting about that is that this kid, Gabe, this character, clearly takes himself and his puppeteering so seriously that he does present that way. Even when you know that's that he's true. short throughout the entire episode. He just carries himself like an adult. That probably is the joke of it. You're right. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and oh, I, it's also interesting. What a weird character. What a weird, he's very so memorable weird. character. Well, which is funny because the truth is I actually didn't remember him going into it because I tend to remember the monsters more. In fact, my first note was, I don't remember this guy, but Mabel has a crush on him, so he's got to be another monster, right? And spoiler so alert, funny. that was not the case. Yeah, he wasn't. I, you know, it's funny. I did remember him because I remembered that exact thing happening when I was watching the first time around. Like I was expecting a monster jump scare towards the end. And I'm like, no, he's just like a really weird guy. That's kind of terrible. Yeah, well, <laughs> which is something that we can unpack as the episode goes forward, because I do feel like we get waves of Gabe as <laughs> this little 30-minute episode goes yeah, on. It's like, I'm, uh, yeah, and that's why he said he's memorable. Like, this is not a throwaway character to me, because he does have lots of bizarre flavor. A anyway, continue with the plot. Allow sure, so... That is the cold open that Mabel sees this uh, young puppeteer who's putting on a show for kids and we get through the theme song and it continues, which I want to say is a little odd for Gravity Falls. I feel like they oftentimes do the cold open and then we sort of change frames somewhere else. But we immediately just continue where we left off, which was a good sign to me that every part of this episode is going to be really important. Uh, so... We get a Mermando mention, you know, Mabel says, just when I was getting over Mermando, he shows up. And weirdly, Dipper didn't care for Mermando. Did that surprise I, you? Well, no, because I think he's coming at, like, I understand the, like, big sibling perspective of, like, I almost no guy would be good enough. I could see Dipper being one of those kind of brothers. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Like, you need to be, like, as cool to Mabel as I am. And I'm really cool to my sister. So you bet. You know what I mean? Like, I could see him having that kind of a perspective. Sure. Um, not to mention Mabel also having a kind of history of having bad choices in general. I could see Ma uh, Dipper just kind of holding that sentiment towards her decision making for boys in general. You know what I mean? And being more a voice of that. That being said, I agree with you. When he said that line, I was like, oh, come on, Dipper. Mermando was cool. <laughs> Yeah, we, we love Mermando. On Twitch, which maybe a, a lot of our listeners have been to, we have a Twitch where we do a lot of live streams and fun little things. We went through all of the Gravity Falls monsters. We tier listed all of them. Yeah. And I didn't realize how much the audience loved Mermando. I felt like he was one of the most popular uh, in the whole thing. So I was like, Dipper, you're not on our audience side here. I, I don't know, man. I thought Mermando was truly a great character. I mean, I, I yeah. well, I would say also very memorable in the series. So I, I, if we're gonna compare this guy to Mermando, I mean, Mermando blows him out of the water significantly. <laughs> oh my water. god, that was that was right there. Yes. I'm gonna pretend that was intentional. 
So out with Mermondo, in with Gabe. Meanwhile, though, Dipper has has his focus still. Like, we can't forget the main purpose of this episode, which was, I gotta find this password. So he finds a book that basically tells him that there are two million eight-letter words, which is already presumptuous, because you're thinking that the password for this computer is going to have a word at all, uh, yeah, rather than just like just a, a string, string of numbers. Right. Or a code, um, especially knowing this show. Yeah, uh, luckily, uh, Dipper doesn't think to himself, I don't think. Well, time to go through all of them. Um, yeah, but he, he does, stuff. right, he does immediately become obsessed with it. Yeah. Uh, and Which, he, can I just say, like, the, the subtext theming of unhealthy obsessions in this episode, I thought was, like, really amazing. And I never ooh. thought about it the first time around. But, like, part of the problem with the, like, relational... Um, or like the relationship plot in this episode or conflict, I should even say, if you want to be the movie term, um, is Dipper and Mabel are both being careless towards each other because they're both getting lost in their own respective obsessions, whether it's boys or the book. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's entirely true. Um, man. Okay. That's really interesting. To be honest with you, I feel like I didn't grasp that as much as I should have. And I want to think that through as we walk through the episode right now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get through it. Yeah. Cause as Dipper starts to get into his thing, th this is when Mabel immediately shows that, okay, but I know you said this was important to you. I sort of have my own interest here. So he doesn't even realize that she has already gone up to try to impress this puppeteer, uh, and sort of approaches him, says that basically she she claims that she herself is super into puppets. They call her Puppet Crazy Mabel. And he's like, whoa, that's so weird because people call me Puppet Crazy Gabe so earnestly. Can I just say, like, the way that this character walks a weird boundary between Mad Creeper vibes and, like, somewhat normal, just excessively, like, passionate and kind of rude artist is weird to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you're so right, because I, I actually felt like my initial uh, impression was, ah, this is just sort of a weird dude who really loves his craft, and people think he's weird for it. Uh, but then, like, you find out he kind of is. <laughs> and it is, to be honest, I feel like it's a line in real life, too. That's what I was gonna say, too, and, like, it actually reminds me of lots of artist relationships that I've met, where the first, my first impression is, wow, this guy's creepy. My second impression is, oh, it's kind of cute, he's actually just, like, kind of weird and into their art. And then my third impression is, okay, but they're a dick. Yeah, a little bit. A and, and, you know, like, one of those artists that's just really self-involved. Yes. I, just, so, I feel like I've met a lot of people like that. I don't know. I, I totally I totally get you, especially in the spheres that you and I circle with. I feel like we interact with a lot of artists. You true. even more so than me. True, true. Um, so so I guess maybe that made that funnier. Is It's like, okay, we've seen That's this true. archetype before. That's true. Um, That's a good point. I did think it was probably funnier as, as an adult watching it now than I did as a kid. Fair. I mean, I, I watched it as an adult for the first time, unlike you, because I approached this show later in life. Um, yeah. And it's cool that you kind of have to get to have that experience of separating them. Yeah. Uh, but Mabel says that she's trying to put on a puppet show, which is a really stupid lie to make because there's so much that needs to go into it. Um, so she asks Dipper for help and is in the middle of something that he is very, very much involved with. Just, 
I will help you with this thing if you can help me put on a sock opera with pyrotechnics and all of these massive special effects. I'll help um, you with thinking of a password if you help me with a full-on stage production. Yeah, that sounds equivalent. Those are That's a fair trade. And Dipper agrees. Because yeah, Dipper's I guess he's the, really nice. Yeah, really nice. And I guess maybe he feels like if this is what it takes to get the help from my sister that I need then I'll do it. And I also think that's a little bit of an undertone of Dipper understands what Mabel's value is at a really high level, which I actually think is kind of cool. That's fair, but... Or is, he, is, it, is it overvaluing, I guess, is my counter question. That's a good question. I mean, and how much of it is, oh, this is my sibling who I love and I really want her to be a part of this, you know, or yeah. my friend that I love or this person that I love. It, I think that there is a part of that too. Well, I, I will say when he did agree, I actually did write down like right before the deal. Like that doesn't sound like a very good deal. But when he agreed, the way that it was also delivered felt very much like a he's just trying to be a good brother moment. Like, okay, I'll help you with your crush because I know this means a lot to you, even though I don't technically understand it. Like that was the vibe I got. And and that's very much from the read. Like it was a simple line, but it was there was a lot of emotional, you know, weight in how he said it. Well, speaking of bad deals, uh, a Bill Cipher shadow passes by as this scene ends. Uh, And I'll I'll leave it there for a moment because Dipper is about to prove that he has a much worse deal that he's going to be making uh, rather than this one with Mabel. I'm so glad. So glad. Let's continue. But before that, we get a montage. And... I like montages in general in animation. Same reason I like uh, musical numbers, because I feel like they give us an opportunity to get through a lot of plot really quick. Uh, And it's really just uh, this sock opera getting put together. While Dipper tries all of these passwords, I actually ended up writing down all of the passwords that he tried, that he put on a list, if you happen to be curious about that. Oh my god, you could have just looked it up. Oh, I did look it up, but I also wrote it down. (laughs) did you get all of them yes um so i'm just gonna say them all and then you think to yourself uh at the end of the list if there's anything that stands out to you we have password journal three overlord thrilled crochet which happens to be seven letters not eight patootie spooking craniums reawaken vocalize mcgucket volcanic (laughs) Whoa. Vomiting. Numerous. I think McGucket was the only one that sounded remotely significant as far as I can tell. Well, I think that's significant because it shows that Dipper was thinking about McGucket in that sense. I think it was probably just foreshadow. I I don't think that they're trying to say that that Dipper's suspicious of McGucket at all, because I don't think he is. I don't know. Canonically, uh, it was there. The evidence is there. Uh, there I guess so. I guess so. There were a couple ciphers as well on there, which translated to Whittle, Shifter, Whatevs, and Barrow, which hmm. also not, not eight letters, so I'm not sure what's up with that one or what it even means. I, there's got to be some kind of a significance. Yeah. I mean, you never know sometimes when like a writer just puts in like an in-joke for themselves in something too. Sure. Uh, so the montage kind of finishes... Uh, Dipper is acting disinterested with Mabel's thing that he helped her with, but Wendy's like, nah, just roll with her craziness, as she very weirdly sings a puppet song and starts to go full Gabe herself. 
Okay, what I will say, though, is actually I thought this was one of the best lines of the episode was what Wendy said. Because oh. what she, which, the way that she said it was, ah, just roll with her craziness. It's what, it's what makes life worth living. And I actually really agree with that mindset of, like, accept the kind of brain that you have. You've got to roll with it, you know? Huh, you can, okay. Because rolling with it, to me, is the same as working with it. You know what I mean? It's like surfing a wave as opposed to, like, trying to fight to pretend it doesn't exist. It's like... I don't know. I, I just thought that that was like a weirdly philosophical thing for her to drop as her only line in the episode. <laughs> True. Well, as Mabel decides to embrace her brain, uh, she talks to and kisses the Gabe puppet that she created overnight. Bad example. Uh, <laughs> and while well, Dipper obsesses with his password and is starting to get really frustrated. So he sits outside and he asks, who would know about secret codes? And as the wind passes, Bill Cipher emerges. Harry Styles. I'm sorry, that was a joke from a recent recording that we had. I thought it'd be funny. Wow, calling it back. I think I know a guy. And here we are with our favorite villain. That was Bill Cipher's line. Oh, 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 oh. I see. Uh, how excited were you to see Bill Cipher pop back up here? I was really excited. I mean, obviously, Bill Cipher is like, I don't know, one of the best villains in animation history, probably. And yeah. every moment, the second that he shows up and you get the, you know, the background turns to gray and time kind of stops, it's just like, oh, okay, this is like, yeah, Bill, I, I forgot, because I'm pretty sure this is our only, like, second time seeing them. Um Maybe, like, at least their second time being majorly showcased in the show. Right. And just the way that they manifest is like, here, I'll give you a, you know, I'll give you something cool. Here's this head that never stops screaming. And then he makes it manifest in midair and then cuts its face up. And it's like... So creepy! I'm like, dude, this is like crazy stuff. This is so wild. I can't believe... Cartoon, this is like... I don't know. It's like Courage the Cowardly Dog has, like, moments in this show sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're right. I can't believe this made it. Into, uh, remember when I said I thought the creepiest thing that had happened so far was, like, the shapeshifter thing from a yeah. couple episodes before? I feel like this might have overtaken it. Do you think? I think, this, I think this is creepier, but I think Bill does a... I don't know. The time when he removed the, the teeth from the deer was pretty creepy. Oh, I forgot about that one. See, Bill is just doing this stuff all the time. Um, I actually think the creepiest scene in the show is still has yet to come, though. I, I don't think it's the, it's a Bill-related moment, even. Though they are, okay. though, those are crazy. Well, I'm excited to get to it. Uh, Dipper is immediately shocked to see Bill and says, Don't forget who defeated you last time. And uh, Bill kind of says, Oh, yeah, sure, you defeated me. Uh, which yeah, you, I know, think... you got a point. If he was defeated, he's not exactly gonna be there right now, would he? It's got a right. point. He base he was slightly inconvenienced, maybe. Um, yeah, and but but uh, Bill says that he can provide the password in return for a favor, and that he'll be ready to make the deal, even though Dipper at first refuses. And I will say, from about this point until the deal, which we all know is going to end up happening. You know, we get more sock opera stuff. I, I will say that it's not 
bad because Gravity Falls never really has bad moments, even when it's not getting to the plot. But because the plot was so teased, I did definitely feel like from this point forth, I started waiting for the Dipper moment, you know? Yeah, well, I think that's fair. And we can kind of yada yada uh, the stuff that sort of happens in between. Yeah. uh, Which is Dipper walks in, he's tired, but he wants to pull Mabel for a discussion to talk about Bill. Uh, But she's still distracted, of course, with the opera. So enter Grenda and Candy, her best friends who are helping. uh, And also Gabe, who just sort of shows up for no apparent reason. And I guess it's just very quickly, we get even more... On rollerblades. On rollerblades, I must say. Ridiculous. That's true. So we get more flavor of Gabe's obsession as he says, oh, I was at a puppet show yesterday from a girl who did just a terrible job, and she didn't understand the intricacies of all of these things. Now, Uh, this is the artist thing that I was referring to, man. Because I'm like, I I hate... I'll just relate it to fire spinning because that's something that I do. I hate it when I see a fire spinner look at somebody who's learning, like post a video or go into a like a you know like a community spinning circle or something, and somebody goes, "Oh, that person shouldn't even be here. They're not even good." And I'm like, dude, where do you think you get good? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, come on, like support anybody who's doing it and trying to get better. Why would you be so high and mighty about it? I, it that perspective just annoys the crap out of me. You know what I mean? Like, if you see someone doing an art form that you practice yourself. And you think that you're doing like a, you're better than them because you know more thing. It's like, oh, think about how discouraged you would have been if someone did that to you when you were learning. You know what I mean? 100%. Uh, And I actually do think that in the very end, Mabel sort of sees that for what it is. And is like, oh yeah, this guy was kind of a jerk. Yeah. Well, and it does uh, create a culture around, it, it really does create a culture in the arts around like feeling like you need to impress people and that you're not good enough and investing your worth in some sort of like product with your art form and i i dislike that very much so um and in a way i like seeing it satirized because i do feel like they're playing with that idea a little bit maybe a little bit more comedic maybe not super uh preachy which is good um totally but, but it's there it is there and mabel unfortunately in this moment doesn't care about any of that though because she still is only thinking i need to impress this guy regardless of anything that he just said uh which is unfortunate because if people show you who they are you gotta listen um but you know you're a kid so grenda and candy are over there you know basically trying to uh and not just them it's also seuss and wendy they're all just a mess in terms of the production and mabel immediately starts panicking like okay i've got to take control of the situation again i can't let all of these people do it uh grenda has a line where she looks at gabe and says you look pretty sweaty you should probably take your shirt off uh <laughs> i just like to point out that's actually sexual harassment no doubt like, uh, and- I, I actually I'm, i won't even lie i didn't even think that was funny at all i was like wow if you were a guy and that was a girl you would have been canceled i don't think that's funny I, i've had people yeah. do that to me and i don't think it's funny I really don't. I think it's terrible. I think that's fair. No, I think that's I, mean, fair. I, I hate to be that guy and make a serious moment, but like, I did not. I was like, come on, Gravity Falls. You're better than that. Just because you like switched the gender role doesn't make it okay. I think that's fair. I think that it speaks to Grenda's character a little bit. And that is something that Grenda would I say. So. Um, but I, I, I just don't like the idea of like jokingly defending people saying that, you know, sure. no matter what, I, who yeah, it's no. for. Yeah, no, I totally get you. Even even so, uh, Grenda and Candy are not making a good impression in every measurable way. Uh, True. So 
unfortunately, even though Mabel just told Dipper that she would start helping again, she sort of once again gets back into it and in the opposite way pulls Dipper to try to help her again. But he's not having it this time. So he storms off to do it on his own. Yeah, and they kind of have a moment where Mabel's like, oh, well, before I help you, like, let me do one more thing. And and I agree with Dipper a little bit, and I understand why he's even salty about this, because it's kind of like, you've been helping a lot more. You know what I mean? Like, I've been there before where, like, the, the good nature side of you wants to help someone do their thing, and then you get involved in their thing, and you help more and more and more. And then before you know it, like, it's a very one-sided relationship, and I feel like Dipper definitely has a val is valid in feeling that way especially in cases like this because mabel does definitely get in her own world a lot of the time and is kind of selfish and he put a lot of work in to help her already yeah he did so and she has not really done literally anything to help him yet actually though true uh but unfortunately dipper on his own has a dangerous mind and when he yeah. gets too many failed entries in his password there's something that comes up on the screen where the data will be erased in five minutes because of too many failed attempts. And I had already thought, how have you not already hit the limit if that exists in the first place? This oh, author is pretty forgiving. I, I thought personally that that wasn't even real and that, and that Bill made that up. Like Bill actually Ooh. just like, because when I saw that, because I wrote earlier, I was like, wow, good thing this wasn't the modern day. You would have been password lock after the third try. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. And then once, and then when I did see it, I was like, okay, in all honesty, like, this show is pretty smart. I feel like having a password lock after, like, a thousand password attempts is not a very smart choice for this brilliant author guy. You know what I mean? You know, I think you're right. It is absolutely possible that Bill, with his weird power, however it works, would be able yeah. to pull off something like that, an illusion. Yeah, like... Like, usually, I would say that, like, like I, I employ Occam's Razor and say usually the writer just forgot a detail. But in this particular case, I actually think that there's a better chance that Bill intentionally, like, messed with Dipper's mind when he was, like, having sleep deprivation brain. It makes messiness. sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Because Bill shows up right afterwards and he's like, oh, looks like you're out of time. And yeah. He takes advantage of Dipper's panic, knowing that he only has five minutes to make a choice. And he presents it as, all I want is a puppet. And now, I, and I would just like to say, there is a very real thing, everyone listening, called decision fatigue that every human being experiences. We have our own relative endurance capabilities for making good decisions, and it caps out at around 30 to 45 minutes. And side tangent note... Grocery stores know this and will intentionally put things in weird places and put in lulling music to make you spend more time there so you stop making good decisions before you leave and spend more money than you should. Sorry, I just love that fact. Wow, so get out of the grocery store in 28 minutes. I'm going to remember this fact. For real, Thank if, you. if you go in with a plan and you have your list and you can get in and out, in like not, not just a plan of what you need, but map out where you go and not get caught up looking at other things, you can get in and out and save so much more money every time, 100%. Fascinating. Well, Bill right. Cipher clearly knew about this clearly. because uh, he gets Dipper to take the deal. Uh, yeah. by, and I think he's got a great line. He's like, seems to me that one puppet is a small price to pay for all the secrets of the universe. Dude, I loved that line so much. And can I just say, 
Dipper really should have asked for all the secrets to the universe in this deal, but he didn't. Well, all he really, I think all Bill agreed to was a hint, not even the password itself. Dude, Dipper, this man literally laid his hand down and said he knew the secrets of the universe, and you took a hint? Are you out of your, I mean, granted, sleep deprivation, brain decision fatigue, I just made the point, but are you out of your mind? (laughs) Yeah, and this is why the puppet theme from the moment this starts is so incredible to me, because it all weaves out throughout the whole narrative, as we find out that Bill is taking over Dipper as his puppet, and becoming what many of the audience knows as Bipper for the rest of the episode. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That was pretty funny. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, he destroys the laptop. Uh, I read on the wiki that maybe he did give the hint and also destroy the laptop. Um, so he went through with his end of the bargain. But oh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it was like a very like off-screen type of hint situation from what I understand. I, maybe somebody in the Discord uh, can point me in the direction of whatever the hint was that Bill actually gave. Uh, but th- this gets very interesting very quickly because... He says that it's been so long since he inhabited a body. Uh, he says that Dipper's getting way too close to major answers, basically validating that Dipper actually is pretty close. Yeah, I agree. And, and I love that that little line too, because it's it tells the audience like, okay, Dipper's totally onto something. And if this guy's saying it, then we know that the plot is at a point right now where it's ramping up. And I love that. It gives such a great pace, uh, sense of pacing and rising action to the story as a whole. Right. Well, and Dipper has become a ghost, and he hears this. I feel like that's a bit sloppy from Bill's perspective, uh, to be honest. Like, he, it's probably in his best interest for Dipper to not think he's getting close. To be fair, though, I think Bill is assuming that most people, having just been sent into an out-of-body experience, maybe for their first time, by this <laughs> magical triangle demon probably would have intimidated most people. So he's probably going with the idea that if I say I've been watching you and I'm going to mess up your your junk, I think that he's just thinking that he'll be intimidated and stop looking into it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think that I'd be pretty alarmed too. Maybe it wouldn't be my priority to start thinking hard about what this other person is saying. Yeah, dude, if you just got Dr. Stranged out of your body, I'm pretty sure the first thought wouldn't be, hey, I'm going to fight this guy. <laughs> Uh, I think that's an excellent point. One thing that I want to mention is apparently when Dipper phases through the living room to kind of get himself outside, there's a listening device inside with a government agency logo from the past episode on the side. Oh my Um, lord, good catch. So, well, again, I found this on the wiki. I didn't... uh, Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, damn, dude, that's a good eye. Still a great detail. No, I'm not detailed oriented. You're more (laughs) detailed oriented than me, I think. Depending on the context. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the mindset I'm in. Mm -hmm. In the mindset I'm in. I guess we're detailed about different types of things. True. Uh, But off we go to the sock opera because Bill's plan is to get himself to that place. Uh, And now remind me, is the purpose here so that Bill can get to the journal? And he he knows that the journal is in. He wants, I'm pretty sure he just wants either to have or destroy the journal. I don't think Dipper fully knows. I think Dipper thinks he wants to just destroy the journal. I don't remember if that's what he actually wants to do or not, but I know that is what Dipper thinks he's defending. Um, Okay. And the reason that, first of all, before we even get to like Bipper trying to get the book and like interfere with the sock opera, which is interesting and fun. The way that 
spill like manifests in the body and kind of like is sloppy and like actually it's like he's kind of breathing into a puppet for the first time and figuring out how it works it was animated in the coolest way and even and, and i noticed the whole time that dipper is possessed he, there are little things that they animate for him to let you know that bill is is in there instead of dipper one of which being every time he walks his arms are at 90 degree angles just like bills are when they float I did not notice that at all. That's such a good catch. Yeah, and then um, his eyes blink at, uh, at staggered speeds. They don't blink at the same time to show not only that it's creepy, but that Bill actually needs to use his consciousness to do normal human things as opposed to, obviously, we just blink naturally. But he's actually needing to consciously, which is showing how foreign this body is to him, you know? Oh, that's fantastic. There is a great character moment before he even makes his way to the opera where yeah. he drinks soda. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, ah, pain is hilarious. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he starts I, completely flagrantly injuring Dipper, which in all honesty is hilarious and like such a villain thing. that, Like, if you're a villain who possesses somebody, like, why have I never seen that done before? The first thing you do is hurt the body of the host. Let's be real. Especially That's if you right. can't really and feel it. I forgot that the pain reference was in hilarious to closing the drawer on himself and not drinking the soda. I wrote that down and I was like, wait a second, why did the soda hurt him? No, he just wanted to drink soda because that's a thing that people do. Yeah, he's like, look at me drinking soda like a human. And then he pours it in his eyes. <laughs> uh, Bill, after that, I think, I, I think it's a thing where he's able to convince Wendy and Seuss to drive him. And... Oh, Wendy did have another line. Did Wendy have another line? I'm going to yeah, say well, it was there... her only line. Not confident. No, I, I I actually forget exactly what they said, but the real moment to me here was Dipper approaching the car and Bipper, or Bill, however we want to say yeah. it, uh, turning his head in like a really creepy way. And How are you going to stop me if you don't exist? That's it. Yeah, that I I remember if you're if anything that makes a child face an existential question is something that I remember pretty well. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, I I realized that I actually somehow deleted one of the rows of my notes here. Oh, wow. So there's a bit of a spot between the car and getting to the theater that I'm trying to remember a little bit. And I believe it starts with I can fill you the, in with some of the blanks. One of the things please. that uh, that Bill did that was so funny to me. So he go they obviously they make it to the theater and they all sit in the audience. Bipper, I think Bipper's a good way to describe it actually. Bipper like kind of makes like a like a pass towards Wendy, which I thought was like also something such a villainy villain would do. You know what I mean? Like mess with oh, yeah. mess with every aspect of his life. And then he looks at Seuss and just goes, Hey bud, you want to know the exact time and date of your death? Oh, that's right. That's the one that I was really trying to remember. That... And he goes, sure. <laughs> and then get, they get interrupted. So we don't get to hear it, unfortunately. But I got to be honest, even though that's a pretty funny throwaway joke, it makes me wonder how limitless Bill's knowledge is. And if it is that case... I don't know, man. As a philosophy person, it really calls into the question of... Uh, of willpower and whether or not Bill's actions are meaningful at all. If everything's already predetermined. I, I, 
you said that, I'm still laughing in my head. That line just cracked me up so much. It just makes me think, well, Bill knows for a fact that, that this guy can't die. Wait a minute. Bill has to... Oh my god, I just broke the show. I'm so sorry, everyone. This actually is a continuity error. Bill has, Bill has to know that he loses because Seuss dies in a normal way. And Bill knows it because he's seen the future. So Bill has to know that Weird Mageddon actually fails because of this joke, which means he did it all for no reason. Or he believes, based on his future, that Weird Mageddon is is when Seuss dies, and he's convinced that he's going to win, but then the future changes. Okay, okay, you're you're saving the riders. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, This is, you know, me spitballing in a way to try to make it make sense. I'll take it. I wasn't wasn't laughing because... I, I wasn't thinking that hard about it. I was just like, the way he says it so nonchalantly, like, hey, buddy, want to know the time and date of your death? It's just... Would you want to know? So, no, absolutely really? not. No really? way, would you? Maybe. No. Uh, Man, you're such a planner, though. <laughs> you're such a planner. Wouldn't you want to know exactly what time and date you would pass away? This is why. Because if I know, it, the amount of things that I know I can get away with gets exponentially higher. <laughs> it's too terrifying because I, I think if it turns out that you're going to be 90, it's a little better. It's like, wow, I feel much more confident. But if he gives you something like a year away, then you spend the entire year living in fear. Like, it's just No, a, you don't. Ter- think about how, no oh my God. No, dude, if I, if I was going to die in a year, I would totally want to know about it. Because I would live my life completely differently if I knew that I was going to die in a year. That's interesting, but then you start to get into the actual logistics of does finding out this information change my trajectory? Whereas if I didn't know it, that's the time where it would have gone. But now that I know, if I'm going to go... Of course it would change its trajectory. But in that logic then, it might be that you don't even die the time that was given to you in the first place. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I was assuming that this was based on the precedent that you're assuming the information is correct and infallible. Um, okay. I mean, I guess if that's the premise that we're going with, we can roll with that. Uh, and in which case I would still say no. And I, I think that it's beyond just the fear of it. And also just feeling like that's not the kind of thing to know. Dude, better yet, if somebody even told me like you die skydiving on this day, I'd still go skydiving that day. Whoa, that's... <laughs> I'd be like, That's all so right, wild. is that true? Like, okay, it's going to happen someday. Why would I like, you know, why would I end up in that weird TV situation where you end up trying to escape a fate that's been told to you and you end up doing something crazy and convoluted and you end up there anyway? Uh, see, that is what I would be the most interested about. Is Might as well what just... What if I just don't go? What if I just don't go? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what happens. You're right. See, isn't that a more interesting premise than going and knowing? Because then you can at least find out the mechanisms of which it would take to get there. I guess... I think what would happen is you would figure out well ahead of time that there were circumstances that ended up making it so that you really could not get out of it. That's what I would assume. Yeah, assuming that this information is infallible. And I would always question that it... what. I don't well, believe that things can be predetermined in that way because I'm a sociology yeah. guy. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't believe in determinism either. I, I totally yeah. disagree with like the reality of this premise as a whole. But like, 
you know. But it's a fun thought experiment. Just to yeah. be like, would you want to know this or not? And yeah, yeah the answer like, to me is a decidedly no. I still would want to know just because I would want to make sure that I lived my life to the fullest. I not believe in living my life to the fullest all the time. Yeah, but if you were going to die tomorrow, that would look really differently. I think that's fair. Because uh, you're, I, you're not concerned with sustainability anymore. Because if I think true. that I have to like survive and be healthy, then what looks fulfilling to me looks really different than if I have a week to live and I just need to fill it with as much experience as I can, you know? That's that's a really wonderful point, honestly. Uh, and and, and I that's why I would like to know, because, you know, I feel like it would add importance. You know, actually, mm-hmm. I'm reading this book called The American Book of Living and Dying right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that they say about uh, people not accepting death as a part of their lives is it robs a lot of older people with an extremely important meaning that they could be adopting in their life which is like preparing for and embracing death whatever it is and i love that yeah and one thing that i'm very much on board with is healthy death norms i think that's like a really underrated thing and i'd be willing to bet that some people might be a little uncomfortable even hearing about death as a topic that comes up definitely Um, but (laughs) it's very (laughs) ah got him (laughs) come on guys laugh about it it's, it's a thing where I think that in a way, impermanence is what makes life beautiful. Definitely. And it's funny, even though I am on board with this idea, I still wouldn't want to know. Uh, and I think that comes from a place of maybe it's even a little bit of bias, but uh, or bias in terms of like what I've been raised hearing and seeing. Yeah, But it just feels like the kind of thing that I'm not supposed to know, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm willing to live my life with uncertainty and being okay with that. I like uncertainty to a degree. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like anybody who's had... The reason I like it is because I feel like anybody who's had an experience where they've nearly died treats life differently from people who haven't had that experience. Yeah. And and in in such a way that, like... I feel like it's almost, I don't want to say it's impossible to achieve that mindset without having an experience like that, but I feel like it'd be really difficult to come to that purely philosophically. You know what because I mean? Because you would, yeah, I was going to say it would have to be completely mental. And I think that's a lot harder than having it affect you on like uh, a deeper level in that way. And that's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, because I always say, so part of my background is in positive psychology, which is happiness science and helping people live their best life. And a yeah. lot of people will tell you that they had a catalyst moment, which sort of like led to them reevaluating their life. Wasn't a lot of the time those stories are sad. Sometimes they're happy. Yeah. Uh, and I always say like, you don't need to wait for the catalyst moment. Um, but that's easier said than done because those moments matter. Frankly, this could be the catalyst right now for somebody, this discussion that we're having That'd just be because it finally hits you at the right moment. You never know. Yeah, that's um, true. And I think that it's just fascinating to think through uh, in this way. And man, this has been very interesting. Yeah, I know. I feel like we got off the rails from the plot a little bit, but this was a really good conversation. We we did it for an offhand joke about a demon trying to cheekily tell somebody, like, I know, hey, right? I can traumatize you if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and then we decided to traumatize our audience. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the feed. I I, I felt yeah, like this is a perfect right? moment to plug something. I don't YouTube. have anything. I know, right? I'm so used to the, that part of the flow now. Right. Five-star iTunes reviews. That's good. Hey, leave us a review. Tell us you thought we were funny when we did this bit. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, we're at the theater. And what did you think of the sock opera, Lou, as th- this scene starts to come into place right after Bipper goes in to try to get the journal from the scene he finds out it's from? 
you know, for a distraction for a more interesting plot, it was a pretty fun distraction, you know? Um, or I shouldn't even say a distraction, but I guess as a mechanism for delivering the more important plot effectively. I, I mean, like, I saw the musical references. There was one specifically that happened towards the beginning of the musical that I, I, I said it was David Bowie at first, but I don't think it was. Uh, it was the piano playing person at the very, there was a reference to oh, something. Oh, were they going to live for Liberace maybe? Liberace, maybe it was that. I, 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 there was something I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, that—that's a reference. And I'm sure there were other musical references in there. I feel like I should be more educated to know for sure. Okay, yeah, that one went over my head, admittedly. Um, and I thought it was fun and creative, but honestly, for Gravity Falls, I was kind of like, meh. What about it in general? Well, Gabe was feeling it in the beginning as he True. showed up in his reviewer critic type outfit for some reason. Uh, because and, when you're like that, you you are you are constantly reviewing and critiquing all of life. I'm like this too. The reason I don't like it is because it's me. I dress whoa. like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lucas is Gabe. In fact, I see the puppets in his hands right now. Actually, yeah, oh, there there it is. <laughs> They're shadow puppets. I'm a necromancer. Yeah, you, you all are lucky that you can't see the audio because what's actually happening is like a silent puppet show behind Lou at all times. Yeah, I've been do I've been I've been silently sign languaging and shadow puppetry on my wall this entire thing. And so, honestly, it's pretty impressive that you're able to multitask like that. Yeah, honestly. I'm also watching a Smash tournament and writing and drawing and playing guitar at the same time. Great <sighs> audio mixing. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give myself some credit for that one, since technically uh, the program is run from oh, my end. Oh, shoot, uh, you're right. <laughs> great guitar playing, though. Thank you. So, <laughs> but the funny thing about this musical to me is it is just all about Mabel. Mabel created this big production, invited all these people in Gravity Falls to create a musical about herself. Not uh, just that, even... but herself getting with this guy. Which... I I just, I guess I'm... I, I feel like maybe... I, I don't know if I'm just, like, out of touch or if this whole thing just felt really weird and maybe almost verging on uncomfortable for me to watch. Pretty heavy-handed from Mabel's end, yeah. But I was kind of like, man, I just, like, you know, I guess once you're in stable relationships long enough, you just kind of forget what this whole thing feels like and it's just, like, seems so, like, silly, you know? Yeah, the blinders are not the same as they are. Exactly, uh, when you're man. a young kid who just, this is the only thing you care about, and you feel like this is yeah, a good idea. like you're I figuring out, like, you know, you're figuring out loving emotions and what it means to have a relationship for the first time, and, like, it is kind of cringe, you know, because you're learning, and it's just, it's been so long since I've been there that it's, like, and I know that there was a time when I probably would have related a lot more, but it's just, mm -hmm. it was a long time ago, man. Sure. Uh, even so, I love the musical, and I, I, I'm not going to go too much into the details uh, of the musical itself at this point, but it seems to be going well from Mabel's perspective. She goes backstage, she's like, great, only 36 more musical numbers, and suddenly she gets approached by 36. the ghost of Dipper possessing a puppet of himself, uh, which is on its own pretty scary. Mabel is able to get alert and believe that this is actually Dipper pretty quick, considering yeah. all the things she's seen in this town. Yeah, I feel like when you're, like, I feel like I know you well enough that, like, if a sock puppet impersonating, like, if, if I would know pretty quickly if your personality was genuinely in a situation like that or not. 
You know what I mean? I feel like I would have a very... I feel like that's... It'd be pretty hard to fake Alec possessing a sock in my room. I feel like that would be a very particular emotion that I'd get out of you that I would not imagine anybody else could recreate in a convincing way. I don't know. The last time I did it, you didn't seem to realize. I mean, I'm pretty hard to shock. I suppose so. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll keep this in mind. Uh, Now... Gabe breaks up this moment. I feel like this must be the third or fourth time that we've now talked about this, where Mabel seems to be getting focused for a second, and in comes this annoying dude. Again, Uh, he's the mechanism for the overarching plot, but, like, it is pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, And he says, It's clear to me now, Mabel, that you really love puppets. Would you like to join me for a biscotti? And Mabel says, You drive a biscotti? Okay. Which made me laugh, because I don't even really know what a biscotti is. Oh, my God. I know it's probably a cookie or you know what a Bugatti is, right? That I know even less what that is. Okay, Uh, that was a a Bugatti is the car brand that she's talking about, and a Buscotti is a sort of. I think a Buscotti is a um, biscotti, biscotti, whatever. I think it's like a uh, like a chocolate dessert that's crunchy, but I can't remember. Biscotti. Pretty sure it's an Italian. Uh, they like, they are Italian almond biscuits. Yeah. Okay. I was pretty close. I don't know if there's chocolate in it or not. But I don't know about a Bugatti. Oh well, that is a car. Gee, yeah. I've never heard about this in my life. Dude, that's like the most like popularly rich person car. I think maybe at that time. Oh, was this like an old car? Because I can tell you a bunch of fancy rich person cars. I feel like it's Ferrari and Lamborghini and Corvette. But yeah, a Bugatti, you could have told me. You you could have yeah. told me it was pasta and I would believe you. Oh wow, no. Wow. Bugatti is in the exact same category as all those other ones that you were just mentioning. As far as I know, oh. I'm not a car person anybody. Believe it or not, my philosophy and arts degree might not have uh, given you that impression, but <laughs> well, uh this was a worthwhile tangent. Uh oh. Dipper is suddenly worried as hell and agrees to take over the puppet show while Mabel grabs the book. But I, I think she does finally say, okay, okay, I'm going to go get the book for you. Like, About I understand time. this is a serious situation. Um, and, and she she is able to kind of, like, bring herself to eventually face Bipper. Um, and she goes up to where the journal is to try to take it. And sure enough, there he is. Um, says to give him the book or your play's going to be ruined because he's threatening to sabotage it. And... I've got a question for you because for a second it seems like maybe she's thinking about actually giving in because the play matters the most to her. Yeah, but I think I think Bip- I think uh, Bipper talked. I think Bill actually did the dumb thing and talked her out of it. Yeah, because he said something along the lines of like, "I mean, come on, who would?" Uh, gosh, what is it? It's like, oh you've, my gosh, you've already. Oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Who'd sacrifice everything they worked for for their dumb sibling? And she says Dipper would. So I can't tell if she was trying to trick him or if she really was about to give it away and then he talked himself out of it and she changed her mind. I th- I think she was about to give it to him. I really do. And that she made the last minute decision. And the reason I yeah. say that is because Bill's first point is totally right. Like, because he even convinced Dipper of it initially. He's like, dude, she's been, like, actually shafting you, like, all of your needs this whole time. Why would she not do mm-hmm. it again? You know, pretty much, you, it's it's shown that Mabel has considered her obsession more important than Dipper's. And that time after time after time, she did make the decision to ignore Dipper's over her own. So in all honesty, 
it does make sense to expect her to do that a, a lo- another time because that's pretty much historically what she'd been doing. And it was yeah, only the right. moment of Bill pretty much phrasing it in a way where like, you know, he went like, why wouldn't you just keep doing this? You've been doing it all day. And then she, that is the thing that makes her go, oh my God, I have been doing this all day. And Dipper's just been trying to help me. I'm terrible. I should change. But, which I give credit to her for coming to that realization, but I also don't give her credit because it was the villain speech that made her realize it. Sure. And I actually think this speaks a little bit to a fundamental misunderstanding that Bill Cipher has about what it means to be human, which is the theme that we immediately get explored with more directly next. Yeah, he he Um, underestimates them. And I think that that is touched upon by this moment and the earlier one with Dipper. Um, Or maybe a later one with Dipper. There was another one where he underestimated Dipper. Yeah, and there was also a moment where he sort of made an offhand remark to Dipper about how, yeah, your sister hasn't been here for you. Like, he believes that this kind of persuasion will work. Um, And and it's not just a matter of an emotional thing and not understanding how humans uh, sort of have those human connections, but it also comes down to literally what it's like to be inside a human body. Um, Because when they fight and... All of a sudden, the whole show gets just destroyed yeah, just totally to sort up. of skip through it. Yeah. Uh, Stan has a great line from the crowd where he's like, children fighting? I can sell this. Uh, he, he nice could. little one-liner from Stan, one of his only ones in the whole Man. episode. They they called TikTok, didn't they? Oh, what? For, uh... Just that sorry, line. I, just because it's a, uh, a, a quick liner that... Sorry, I don't know TikTok. Oh, just because that's something you'd see on TikTok, and that's where people would make money selling videos like that in droves. Oh, I understand. Hey, everybody, like, that I, is TikTok, I know right? less about TikTok than it, probably any person that you know uh, of it's my literally rough Vine. age range. It's Vine. Well, I know that, and my There's wife is nothing obsessed different with TikTok. Then. There's nothing different. Or has different. been. She uses it less now. Everyone um, in the... <laughs> There's not a comment section. We're not on YouTube. But anybody who thinks that, like, TikTok isn't just a more optimally placed in time and slightly better designed vine it, it's just fine that's fine well which was one honestly thing I do just know about, youtube the one thing i do know about it is that it sounds like it might be at risk of being shut down by the government but that's a whole other discussion that we don't need to get into oh yeah that's right i heard about that that'd be funny um kind of hypocritical but i don't really care Sure. Uh, but but anyway, so as this destruction is happening, uh, Mabel and Dipper realize that the weakness Pipper has is that Dipper's body has not slept in like 24 hours and it's super exhausted. Um, and when the body's operating on no sleep, it shuts down and they're Dude. able to take advantage of that. He starts getting in his head. And next thing you know, okay. that's how they get him. I would be honest, though, and say that as a 13 year old, 12 year old age. I could have easily stayed up 24 hours and still had gas in the tank. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. I could do that now. Dude, I have never once in my life stayed up 24 hours at a time. And I never, ever would want to. I've stayed up more than 48 hours before. Oh, my goodness. That That was not easy. That just blows my mind. And I did just do it for fun. I didn't, like, have a reason. (laughs) I was working nights at the time, so my sleep schedule was already kind of whack. But that's that's fair no i feel like that's a more likely scenario yeah but, yeah i mean i it was the kind of thing where if you're working all night and all your friends hang out in the day it's like hard to like you want to hang out you know like so i i just worked all night and then i stayed up all day and did a bunch of stuff and then i went to a concert the next night with my friends sure i guess my body's just never 
body has never gotten a chance to exercise that kind of muscle, so it can't do it. Um, yeah, I have do such it a hard if you time wanted to. I, I think part of it is desire, you know, like I, I, yeah, like, I got pretty close. Disney uh, did a 24 hour event for a couple years in a row where a lot of us had to work overnight, but I definitely didn't stay up for the full 24 hours. I, went, I like went home and went to bed. Yeah. See, I, I don't think that you should end up being tired enough to like not be able to walk for like, I mean, I wouldn't be that tired for days, probably. Sure. For what I it's mean, worth, I think it's totally realistic in this case. The Dipper's body has almost nothing left. I guess he's uh, been doing and, a lot of stuff. I, I get being really tired, but I don't know. You've got like a... Bill Cipher, I feel like, is a pretty intense willpower. That being said, he's not used to being in a human body too, so that fatigue might feel even harder. Sure. Oh, also, uh, he's been Dipper, beating up the body significantly all day. I forgot about that part too. Oh, that's... Yeah, well, Bill has, but I mean, Dipper has mentally by forcing himself to think constantly like it's a lot of mental strain to get this password stuff together for a device that is now destroyed but which also probably shatters your ability to hold on to your willpower that's that's a defeat you know it's true uh dipper is able to retake the body uh being the ghost that he is and bill says this isn't the last they'll hear of him spoiler alert that's true uh and the pyrotechnics go off the puppets epically burn in an amazing sequence where Ave Maria plays in the background and Gabe cries as he watches just the death of puppets in the theater. And you know, I I give credit at the end, Babel's like, I know how this goes. This is when the audience just starts to clap for how big, because it looked like it was all chaotic, but it was from our perspective as the showrunners, but from the audience thought it was all part of the show. And then that's not what happens and they all boo and leave and stuff. And I thought that was actually pretty funny and good because I'm like, yeah, I loved the call out of that trope because that's what I was expecting to see happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely thought that that was uh, accurate. I was like, yeah, that probably wouldn't happen in most cases. You'd be like, what the hell? Where did this show just went off the rails and ended dumb? Um, And yeah, the guy, the, the puppet guy ends up being like, you made a mockery of my art. And he looks at his puppets, which I didn't realize how weird it was that he brought them to this show in the first place until this moment. And he goes, let's go. And he looks at them. He starts making out with his hand puppets. And okay. Mabel goes, yeah, maybe uh, maybe dodged a bullet with this one. And, you know, it made me think for just a second. I'm like, was there sub- was there weird subtext with this character? You know? You know? Maybe some kind of subtext. Introduced as an adult weird puppet guy making out with his hand puppets i don't know man i got bad vibes from that character yeah really fun character to introduce with all kinds of weird moments in the whole show just from like an audience perspective but now listen i know it sounds weird but let me propose this theory to you this is gravity falls perhaps these puppets actually were alive and does that make it better or worse Far worse. Far worse? Far worse. There's no getting out of this game. Sorry, buddy. Far worse. That's only bad. (laughs) That's only bad. (laughs) Okay. So, so anyway, Mabel says, sorry I spent a week obsessing over a dumb guy. Uh, They walk away and Dipper says he needs to go to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, Pretty rough. And then we get maybe the... Sorry? Pretty rough. Dipper, like, got so injured in this one. Like, he really doesn't... Like, he gets the short end of the stick so often in this show. 
Yeah, and I I think that I really enjoyed Dipper overall in this episode when I really think back on it. Um, Because his obsession, I mean, he still, despite having this major interest, which he was obsessed over, he was able to continuously be there for his sister. I mean, do you have more you want to say on the obsession theme as we kind of went through it? Because I know we sort of teased that at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really the big draw here, right? Is that... um... Not, not that I don't think Dipper was slightly more in the right and that Mabel should have been more mindful with trying to help him because he was helping. But I think that there's also the... Dipper got so obsessed in his own way that he didn't have the mental space to communicate in a healthy way also, right? Yeah. Because he was exhausted and instead of trying to reason with Mabel and be like, hey, you know, instead of, instead of at a moment where you could have said, hey, this is really important to me. I need to have a real moment. I really need your help. Come on, like, take this seriously. He freaked out, right? And nobody's going to respond as well to that in a sibling dynamic or in any other. And it's the kind of thing where like, even if you tend to do things overall pretty well and you balance your life pretty well, getting stuck in an obsession will still end up and make you making bad decisions in other areas in your life. And it'll make it be harder to juggle things that regularly shouldn't be as hard to juggle. Um, so I think that on Dipper's end, that kind of explains that level of it. And then Mabel's is obviously, she just got fully lost and just started to stop paying attention to her loved ones. I even wrote down, is this like a weird analogy for addiction? (laughs) Ha, okay. Uh, you want to explore that? Yes, but I need to figure out exactly what the line was that I wrote it about. Oh, I guess I pretty much said it. It's just in general, the parallelism between their two stories and like, you know, the kind of thing where, like, if, if you get in an addiction, which an obsession and an addiction are, like, extremely similar. I won't go into, like, the definitions of it or anything. But, like, you know, the the part where people think a habit becomes an addiction is when it becomes problematic, right? We all breathe air, yeah. but air, air breathing is not considered an addiction, even though we literally die without it. Because it's, it's a function of life, right? So it doesn't count, even though it's a habit yeah. that we couldn't live without. But it's when things are unhealthy and they start to cause problems in your life um outside like you know this external problems in your life is when something is considered a bad habit or an addiction or an obsession right versus just a regular human habit and this is a good way of explaining you know kind of specific examples of how socially you start to have problems when you get lost in an obsession like that and i think that that's mostly touching on it like the first thing you stop caring about is if, you know, if you're not caring about your family and your brothers and sisters, the people you care the most about on a regular basis, that's the first thing that you probably should start addressing and caring about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't have an obsession necessarily, but I do have a major love for the Muppets and we get an end credit scene, which is my favorite probably of the entire show. And Alex love of the Muppets is tearing us apart. (laughs) (laughs) Only if it crosses the line into an obsession. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but what, what is this? Tra- oh, that's right. It's the end credit scene. I forgot. Yeah, because we get two actual puppets. Uh, and it really is just, uh, what what is it? I think uh, Mab- Mabel's, Mabel's puppet and Dipper's puppet. Like, what did one sock puppet say to the other sock puppet? You look like you could use. I definitely made a typo here. You look like you could use a think. Help me brainstorm. What was actually said in this line? You could use a hand. Hmm. My God, I gar- I remember it. It's you look like you could use a hand. 
Why did I write think? Maybe because I needed to think about it. Well, that wasn't the best part. The part is when we get a puppet of McGucket and Grunkle Stan. And they're like, that joke was really something. Yeah, something terrible. And it's a Statler and Waldorf reference from the Muppets, which is the greatest thing that has happened on the show so far. Which is just a reference to Siskel and Ebert. Oh, wow. I guess that's true. A little bit. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Siskel and Ebert were like that cynical, were they? Okay. Hang on. Googling. Imagine if if you're a content creator and you might have been reviewed by Siskel and Ebert. You might have had a different perspective on it. You know what I mean? The first search results are R. Statler and Waldorf gay, R. Statler and Waldorf <laughs> brothers, uh, R. Statler and Waldorf married. God, uh, I, ah, I cannot stand are, people, man. Like, who are Statler and Waldorf based off of? There you go. Am I the only one who's... What is it with your sessions, internet? God, um, everybody's so lonely. Okay. No, I actually, so it says they were, well, they were named after them. I'm not seeing anything on here that is they guaranteed named to me. after them? That sounds like a pretty good guarantee No, 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 no. Oh, they okay. Were, they named after somebody totally different. The Statler Hilton and the Waldorf Astoria Hotels in New York City. Oh. Um, I know, I know that Waldorf was a, um, if that's based on Ralph Waldo Emerson, or not on Ralph Waldo Emerson, fucking, um, the Waldorf Education, what is his name? He, he's he's really big in educational philosophy. I can't remember what his name is now. But Walt, there's, this, there's a series of schools that are... Uh, it's like a school... The Waldorf Education System. It's kind of like a school for creatives. No, uh, I, I mean... Or rich I neurodivergent kids, as I like to call them. Sure. I Maybe they were inspired by... Uh, characters of the Milton Berle show. I don't know. I've already spent too much time on this, but just know everybody that I got the Muppets reference. I appreciated it, and I love the Muppets. <laughs> Who gets your character of the episode points? Bill. Easy. Great villain. Dipper's gets mm-hmm. my next point. Also easy, because Dipper made pretty good decisions throughout most of this, even though he was, you know, working against the odds. Yeah, I tried to be more creative with my second point, to be honest. But the truth is, I don't think that Dipper has enough points as it is, probably, uh, as we've gone through this. And he, this is one where he deserved it, for a lot of the reasons that we stated. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I, like, usually I feel like the point system is more fun, but this one was pretty clear-cut. I don't, I don't yeah, think anybody... There, was, there wasn't much of a contest for this one. Insights from Journal 3. So... One thing that's very fun... Well, I'll start with uh, the regular Journal 3 that you and I both have. Uh, And it's revealed that Bill leaves a note in Stan's car on the way to the theater. And the note reads, Note to self. Possessing people is hilarious. To think of all the sensations I've been missing out on. Burning, stabbing, drowning. It's like a buffet tray of fun. Once I destroy that journal, I'll enjoy giving the body its grand finale by throwing it off a water tower. Best of all, people will just think Pine Tree lost his mind and his mental form will wander in the mindscape forever. Want to join him, Shooting Star? Want to join him, line, Shooting Star? Apparently addressing Stan. So that's interesting, and I don't know if I fully understand it, but again, maybe the people in the Discord can help us with that one. Yeah, that's one I don't fully get. Maybe he was assuming that Stan would read it and know what he meant. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's possible. And there's another really interesting one here. Mabel comments that when mm. she touched Dipper's hand while he was being possessed by Bill, uh, she noted that it was chillingly cold and asked, is Dipper technically dead while being possessed? 
implying that without his mental form, Dipper was maybe dead during the time that Bill was in his body, which was not something I thought about, but makes a lot of sense considering oh Dipper was a ghost. I guess you're... Well, no, you can go out of body without being dead, but like... That's true. It's interesting. I guess my another, question... Another thing to think about. Yeah, I'm like, is his heart beating? I guess you have to get down to, like, how do you define the point of death? And that's kind of questionable in of itself. True. That's even hotly debated uh, amongst medical professionals. Sure. I would say that the biggest insight, and, and I only knew this because I checked the wiki at the right time, in the Blacklight secret version of Journal 3, we find out the real password from the computer. Oh, really? Do you happen to have any guesses? Oh, yeah. no clue. Literally none. All right. Stanford. So the author, uh, I almost spoiled something. Uh, skip ahead 10 seconds. I'm sure you've all seen the show. Uh, it was his, he, it's interesting that he made the password his brother. You know, yeah. I think it's kind of cute. I think that is like, kind of cute. It's honestly objectively a really shitty password though. Terrible. Especially when awful. people know the, the amount of characters that it is. Like, yep. honestly, the thing that I like about it is just that it shows that Dipper never guessed it. That's true, and it means that he's so not thinking about yeah, Stan as he's being not involved suspicious. with this at all. Yeah, that, that is the one thing that I like about that choice, is it shows Dipper is not on the right track in that specific regard, and I like that. That's cool. And he and he did try McGucket, so... Yeah. <laughs> thinking McGucket, but not Stan. But both of them are Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, he wrote McGucket, but not Stan. I guess that's actually understandable, because there might be... A, okay, you know what? I'm convinced. You're right, that does make sense that Dipper might suspect McGucket because he's like, crazy old man, Gravity Falls is weird, maybe it's him. And then it wasn't, yep. and he goes, okay, stupid theory, you know? Yeah, I would say that this actually is the most interesting insights from Journal 3 section we've had so far. All yeah. of those are really interesting tidbits. Yeah, that, that was fascinating. Okay, who is our metaphysical monster for today? Do you have any thoughts on this one? Because once again, I had a really hard time deciding on a type of cryptid that would make sense for this. Have we I done about maybe going already? No. Uh, uh, that's a weird one. Are you thinking, like, possession? The possibility of people being, like... Not people, but, like, inanimate objects getting possessed? Yeah, let's do that. Because that's definitely a thing that's been reported. Yeah, it reminds me... Uh, have you ever seen that movie, um... Oh, what's it called? The Something of Annabelle Lee. Oh, um, I'm not super familiar with that, no. Mm. Horror Is movie it like fans. a horror movie? Yeah, yeah. It's based on a story of, like, a really popular, uh, like, you know, story of a doll that got possessed. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest, everybody. That is, like, one of the scariest horror things to me is dolls getting possessed. Like, that whole, like, I don't think Chucky's a particularly scary movie just because I don't think the, the effects are particularly good. But that, like, concept... I thought the Annabelle Lee movie was absolutely horrifying. I don't think... It's, it's not The Conjuring. That is scary. I mean, I th that kind of is. thing... Uh, it, it's, um... I am more likely to think that a ghost of some kind could knock something off a wall in a creepy way than actually Straight fully possess, possess it. it. I feel um, like possession would be very hard to do. It's hard for me to imagine how it would even work in a metaphysical sense. Not that I would be able to really understand the exact logistics behind that kind of thing anyway. I, I do definitely fully understand how it would work. but Okay, explain. Uh, fuck, how do I explain this? 
You said you'd be able to fully explain how it works in every single I, way. I mean, I could explain it to you off camera. It's a little bit trickier with what I'm working with for the public, but... Ah, I understand. Okay. Um, let's see. Because I need to use examples of things that exist in life that are premises to me that are probably not premises to everyone. Um, I understand. Premises that I would certainly never know. Yeah, uh, let's say... Well, let's Okay, let's just assume that going out of body is a very like easily attainable thing to do that anybody can do. Just pretend. Okay. Um, okay. and pretend that with leaving your body, if you do it enough, you start figuring out that you could start traveling and feeling other things as if they're yourself, right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's not really going to make sense. Like, there's no amount of this that's ever going to make sense to anybody. So I'm sorry in advance, but like, theoretically speaking, in, in one of these kinds of out of body experiences, you could end up projecting yourself into something else and having an influence on its existence in some way, shape, or form, whether that be through movement or, you know, an emotional connection, if it's like a living thing, or your own perception, you know, in basing itself in the mind of whatever it is that it is. Theoretically speaking, if a consciousness is not, uh, if, a, if there is in fact a consciousness that exists that is external from our biological body and our material reality, then it is not too hard to think that that consciousness could have an essence that could extend beyond the biological realm that we've been encased in and could potentially affect other things. And if that's the case, then theoretically there could also be consciousness that is existing and non-material in the universe looking for material things to manifest in, in which case, if there were a strong enough consciousness that would prefer to manifest in a creepy doll, it's not completely off the table. Wow. All right. Uh, so I guess sort of try to trying to contextualize all of this. You're not necessarily saying that a ghost is what would necessarily be yeah. the possession. I'm not ruling it out, but I'm not saying it would have to be. I think... Okay. Ghost so, is okay, a, based, you know, we've talked about ghosts on the show before. We have. So based on what you're saying, where do you rate it? Because I'll be honest, I think that you're, I, I love to hearing your solution. And before this episode, we were worried we were going to have to make this a short one. I'm glad we didn't because I think there was a lot in here. Totally. Uh, that I really enjoyed talking about today. You know, um, I think but I, I the possibility to me seems like a, like an 8 out of 7.5 out of 10, to be honest. I just okay. feel like the possibility of it happening and then the chances of it happening are very different. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I mean, well, sure. And there's a lot of science that has yet to be able to find certain things out. And it doesn't mean they never will. Yeah. Um, I imagine if possession is a skill that anyone, that something could learn, some consciousness of some sort, I can't imagine it would be very easy to pull off. Well, I was going to give it a one. You helped me make it up to a three. Uh, I just still, it's one of those things, right? Uh, I work in the sciences and no, you those don't. kind of things. You will work in the social sciences. I work in the, how dare you, sir? Oh my social God. Science, social science is science. Hashtag it. Yeah, you are in a social science, so you should know that the difference is cultural more than anyone. Well, I, it, uh, here, uh, here's the, uh, here's the uh, distinction. Uh, 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 Stop. How dare you? 
it comes down to the scientific method more than anything, which is something that we use in social sciences just like we use in the regular ones. And Assuming I've learned to trust... the difference has anything to do with something other than a cultural barrier, which is really all it is. It, it comes down more to, I understand the value of science. I understand the validity of the researchers that do experiments to try to find these things out on a level of, I've gotten to actually do some experiments and help with things. And even though it is on the social level, I still understand the work and the different things that need to go into it to make those experiments happen. So it's a lot harder for me to suspend my disbelief on something that could be tested scientifically than a mythical beast possibly existing in, you know, some other territory. I'm not saying it's impossible, but the things that haven't been discovered by science yet are just a blind spot to me. Even though I can sort of understand if you were to explain to me, uh, if this were to be true, here's how it would need to be the case. It's another Occam's razor thing a little bit, where doesn't necessarily make it the most likely. That's true. I'm still not past the fact that you think that you're in a real science. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Alec, philosophers use the scientific method as one tool in their artillery, and that does not make them scientists. I would say that philosophers, though, have, have logic as a tool, and it's a very different type of thing than what I work with. Yeah. Uh, it's a good tool, though. Again I, again, I just think the difference is cultural. Scientists have harder school. I'm serious. I really think that's all it is. Everything can well, be. Any art can I be a science, that. And, and science can be an art, and there are, like, gray areas in between. But, yeah, like... I mean, you can be a... You can get a PhD and become a doctor in a lot of different fields, but people are still going to associate doctors as being in medicine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But culturally but, speaking, like... Like, I'll just chalk it up for what it is. I could get a doctorate in philosophy, like, infinitely easier than I could get an actual, like, doctorate degree in medicine. You know? Yes. And I, I think I mean, that's yeah. more what... I think when people refer to the difference of sciences, it's more of a cultural observation than it has anything to do with any actual, like, structure of how it is. You know what I mean? Sure. And science, in the way that you're thinking of it, that's different than the social science. I guess the hard sciences is a way to think about it. Yeah, like they biology, definitely... chemistry. They're, they're just hard for the sake of being hard in school, in my opinion. Well, and, and their answers are more exact. Uh, you know, what you're getting is a little bit more um, concrete, whereas social sciences... You can make an amazing study, but you still didn't factor everything in because there's 5,000 different ways that somebody could experience something socially. I would say, I would say a lot of science scientists would say the same thing though, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's why experiments for social and hard sciences are redone lots of different times to try to replicate findings. The only reason um, I make the difference and proudly determine myself like more of a social scientist than someone who does any real science is because... I don't want real scientists who have, like, worked really, really, really hard for their education to think that I'm comparing myself to them because I know they worked harder and are smarter than me in that respect than I am. You know sure, what I mean? but I'm not a scientist with a bachelor's degree, and people with a biology major aren't a scientist with a bachelor's degree either. It comes down to, like, a level of effort where if you put a PhD level of skill into something, then that that's a different that's skill fair. set. That's fair. I guess if you're a bachelor in anything, you don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah, all that means is that you are really good at figuring out how to get the multiple choice right on the quizzes. Yeah, you are really good at general knowledge in that topic. Sorry, everyone. Look, I, I mean, I can... It, until you enter the field, I, I think that it's fair to say that at that point you develop more of an expertise. I mean, something that I learned in one of my philosophy classes is that, like, expertise is, like, 100% not even real. 
Because anybody who's considered an expert is usually considered an expert by people who don't know how to do it. But then anybody who does know how to do the art form themselves usually only sees an infinite amount of ways that they could improve and thus can't consider themselves an expert because they have, they're so blind in so many other ways. But I would still argue that someone like you has more expertise in fire spinning than I do. And I don't think that that would be out of term to say. I would say I have more, I mean, you can't say more expertise, right? Like, you're thinking more experience is yeah. how you're thinking about it. Yeah, like I have I more it. experience. I've practiced more, but I don't consider myself an expert because I can think of an infinite amount of things that I don't know that I could improve upon, sure. you know? That's true. Well, and I'll never after be this last It's actually it... called Shoshin, the beginner's mind in Zen Buddhist philosophy. Sorry, continue. Oh, I love that whole uh, science, honestly. There's yeah. a lot to it. Not, uh, again, <laughs> it's funny because... We're going from spirituality, but that's in the social sciences, too. There's oh, a yeah, lot of crossover between Buddhism and sociology. Oh, all things um, are interconnected. We live in a giant, ridiculous accumulation of life. It's beautiful. True that. Uh, let's see how these ciphers connect. There were a couple in this episode. Uh, one was during the musical montage. A cryptogram read, Pure energy, not skin and bone, rising like the shepherd tone. Wow! Pure uh, Wow, I wonder if that's what death is like. Whoa. Well, I, I guess it says here the shepherd tone is an unnerving artificial sound wave that sounds like it's continually rising, but does not actually change pitch. Um, cool. The, yeah. So the theory is like implying something about Bill's biology. So I guess there was a Bill Cipher AMA on Reddit where I'm sure it was Alex Hirsch going through and answering as Bill. And he mentioned that his favorite song is a rising shepherd tone. That's so, awesome. That is really so interesting. Awesome. Wow. I love that. God. <laughs> I, love that, I love it when people work music into their art, especially like music theory like that. That's so interesting. What's that called? Shepherd's Tone? Shepherd's Tone. Really interesting concept. I had never heard of it I'm until gonna now. Go, I'm going to, I'm pulling it up to listen to it after this. Cause I think that is really cool. Neat. Sorry, uh, the cipher, the regular cipher at the end credit with the uh, puppets and everything was a long one. It was, We've all had some fun tonight, but let's not forget who the real puppet masters are. Reptoids who have infiltrated our government. Oh my god. That. I guess we're watching Steven Universe now, and uh, Ronaldo's blog has just stepped in. Uh, see, I can finally understand that <laughs> reference. I'm far enough in. Yeah! That's so funny. Uh, and the page section from the very end where they sort of showed us a thing, it read, No puppet strings can hold me down. So patiently, I watch this town. Abnormal soon will be the norm. Enjoy the calm before the storm. Ugh. I still imagine reading that while the continuity was still going. and Being like, oh my gosh, what is Bill Cipher about to do? So exciting. I'll Love bet it. possession works. I'll bet you could do it. You just gotta try hard enough. <laughs> still on it? I can't help it. I Especially with that last line. I'm just thinking of Bill Cipher. I'm like, nah, you could possess a person. <laughs> uh, do you believe it enough to change your rating um, you went with a 7.5 I, I, I'm thinking that object would. I, I think that, that doing it to a person would actually be easier than doing it to an object hmm. I know that might sound like a weird take because like you know superstitious random uneducated consciousness theory would randomly indicate that like something with willpower would be harder to overtake but I also think it'd be easier to manipulate than something with no psyche at all. Wow. That's sorry. Interesting. I, <laughs> I, 
Well, hey, hypnotism is a very real thing that is scientifically yeah. been shown to work. Bingo. So That's exactly what I'm thinking to about. That a little bit. So wait, what's your that that made me raise to a four. In in case there's some kind of world where those uh different things could possibly involve each other. Again, though, I feel like doing it to an inanimate object would be harder for that reason. Because you're not actually manipulating any psyche or anything. There's nothing, there's no, like, you know what I mean? Because, like, the way that you and I think... It would I have think, to be pure energy. Yeah, it would have to be, like, yeah, like, so, like, you know, hypnotism is working with a functioning human mind already. But you couldn't hypnotize, a, a hypnotist couldn't hypnotize an inanimate object to do what it wanted. That's a next level mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, maybe you just haven't tried hard enough. You know, maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. This podcast is brought to you. Wait, did you give me a rating? Yeah, I said 7.5. Oh, you didn't You didn't change it? No, no, no. I'll, I'll keep 7.5. Again, for, for doing okay. it to an inanimate object, I think it's possible. But again, like, if it is possible, I can't imagine, like, just because something is doable doesn't mean it's worthwhile enough for anything to do it. True. Hmm. No. All right. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's something that like some weird demon in this expansive universe did at some point to give it a shot. But maybe it's not like something that people do or demons do or demon people do. Fair. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to be talking about Demon Slayer, among many other things on a Twitch stream that oh, yeah. technically will have already dropped by the time I do this episode. But cool. you should definitely check us out on Twitch for future tournaments and brackets. We're yep. doing a bunch of different animated series to find out which is the best of all time. Uh, also, this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. You've heard it enough times. It's okay if I stumble over it once, okay. which has tons of other rewatches and shows and movies on their feed. So you can find Lore of Lou and I by watching Chester Brothers Cartoon Theater on YouTube and follow us on social media by clicking those description links. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The JBCT Discord is so awesome. It is in our notes and we think you'll love it. Uh, I love talking about animation. I've just genuinely become a big fan of interacting with people in that Discord. Uh, and yeah, Lou and I are there to chat with you. So please leave some five-star iTunes reviews. It'll help new listeners find the show. Thanks, Tessa Scarborough, for that cover art. We will see you all next week. Happy sleuthing. Peace. Good recording. That was very good.